Pets, you are about to witness one of my favorite episodes of all time. We get to connect with serial entrepreneur, digital nomad, and extremely talented dancer, speaker, and entrepreneur, Johnny Lowe. We connected through a mutual friend out here in Toronto, but Johnny is currently in Asia, living the d digital nomad lifestyle, and his Kickstarter campaign just recently hit over $200,000 in sales, so their company is exploding right now. Very excited for you to hear about entrepreneurship, about struggles of living abroad and dealing with mental health challenges, and about finding your life's purpose. This is Gript. Johnny, welcome to the show. Good to be here. I have a question for you to start this off. One of my good friends, Dien, um, was, I was scrolling through his Instagram, and as I went through his story, I saw that he was dancing on Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> what is, like, is Dien doing dancing on his Instagram? And then I see the hashtag, Groove Accepted, and then I see the tag, at Johnny Lowe. So I'm wondering what is Groove Accepted and how do you know Dien? That's a great question. So first, Groove Accepted was something that Dien started. Uh, I think it was just to get out of his head and just start doing what he loves, which is dancing. And so who better to ask than me? Mm -hmm. And um, because I've been dancing for a while, so uh, even though I'd been on the other side of the world for I think three or four months by that time, we were exchanging these uh, dance challenges online. And I occasionally got a few of my dance friends involved as well. But yeah, it was pretty cool. A good way to just like get up in the middle of a work day and just bust out on the, <laughs> on the condo floor. Um, and how I know Dien is we met through a bunch of mutual friends. Uh, we went to engineering at Waterloo. And even though we'd never talked or met in university, um, we eventually did end up meeting and it was great. Like we connected on things like accountability, purpose, following your passion, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Awesome. And we'll park some of those themes because I really want to talk to accountability and I really want to talk to purpose and having a strong why in life. What I want to start off is you're currently, uh, you're living in Malaysia? Yes. Yeah, you're heading, Malaysia. Okay. And you're heading to China soon to visit manufacturers? Yeah. yeah. How did you end up here, man? That's a good question. Um, so I'd always dreamt about traveling and working at the same time. And if I'm sure many people have heard of it, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Yep. So I read that back in 2012 when I was still working um, at a desk job, doing my passion video production, but reading this book, I'm like, none of this applies to me. Like, I don't know how to start an online business. Um, I have no idea where to start. And in 2015, uh, three years, two or three years into my video production business as a, as like a, a business partner with my friend Vance, uh, he brought the idea of starting an e-commerce company. So uh, we started dabbling our feet in that. And then a year later, we launched a really successful Kickstarter project that did nearly a million dollars across multiple platforms. So, you know, we were like, all right, we hit a big, let's, uh, let's take a break. 
<laughs> and let's live this digital nomad life that people keep talking about. So uh, we booked a trip to uh, Southeast Asia for six weeks, Vietnam, Thailand, got a taste of the, the network and the people that live out there. Uh, we booked a trip to Tomorrowland in Belgium, mm-hmm. the biggest electronic music festival in the world. <laughs> and then, and then uh, what was it? And then uh, Burning Man in uh, Reno, Nevada. So we just did like, we were traveling for at least like three, four months that year. And um, Asia was the place to be in terms of just meeting people uh, out of all the places. It was the least distracting and had the, the best network that we found. So we ended up settling in Chiang Mai for a year. What was that first product? Uh, that was an Arctic cold brew coffee maker. Yeah, the name is Arctic, so you can look it up and you can brew cold, cold brew coffee at home. At the time, it was, it was pretty novel, so that's why I did so well. Okay. And tell me a little bit about that because you found this product or you thought of the idea for the product or it was already available, but it wasn't being marketed because now you're doing more work with coffee. So it's good yeah. to see that that theme's continuing, but how did you first yeah. find that after reading Four Hour Workweek? Um, I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but basically we were just looking for kitchenware products, which is the niche that we decided to do, pursue. And of all the kitchenware products that we had launched originally on Amazon, um, we felt that this product, the cold brew coffee maker, uh, there was an op- a huge opportunity. We looked on Google Trends, and you can use Google Trends to find trends in the market. So when we typed in cold brew coffee maker, there was like this exponential spike cool. right before our Kickstarter launch. And like, all right, we got to take advantage of this instead of just putting it out there on a soft launch. Let's do something bigger on Kickstarter. Okay. And then at this point, it's wildly successful. Millions of dollars is raised on Kickstarter. And then the way that works is you then fulfill those orders, correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we had like, I don't know, 10,000 orders. And uh, yeah, I think we left for, we left for Burning Man right when the orders were being fulfilled. So oh, we were just, good call. <laughs> we were kind of, there's no internet connection there. So it's like, all right, well, <laughs> let's hire someone who can help cover all of these customer service issues. So we did find someone, but it was just like, we did our best not to, not to think about it while we were away. Okay. Now you've got millions of dollars of sales. How, does that business not continue? Um, so that was the big, one of the big learning lessons that year when we were traveling so much right after a successful product launch. And it's something that not many people talk about, that once you have a really awesome launch, you have to keep pursuing it. You have to keep growing it. Um, so being away for something like 30, 40% of the year was not conducive for that. So we end up investing the money into other business opportunities, not the, the main coffee business. And we pretty much ended back at ground zero. So we don't have all the money. We've reinvested most of it into other products that have failed. Mm-hmm. And we should have just focused on the coffee business. And yeah, seen that through. Yeah, I was going to say there almost wouldn't have been a need for this new product at all if you had continued to grow and maintain and invest into something that was being successful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the four-hour work week is a huge misnomer because you think you can jump right into it right away. Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs make that mistake of traveling too early before the business is actually established. 
and that's the same mistake that we made. Interesting. Okay. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of the, before we get into really some technicalities, like I, I want to talk about what it looks like to be a, an entrepreneur every day. I want to talk about what it feels like to be away from your friends and away from your family and how that impacts your mental health and how you find time to still do the things that you love. But before we get there, can you just tell us like a, a story or two over the last couple of years of some really fun or some really cool thing that happened while you were traveling that maybe you wouldn't have been able to experience if you were living that nine to five, as you mentioned, being an engineer, you're in Toronto. Oh man, there's so many. I'm um, sure there are really. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Uh, one of my favorites is I read recently Facebook shows you like, you know, statuses or things that you've taken photos of from previous years. So one of them recently was Burning Man because it just passed. And I had a status that said, one week ago, I was watching the sunrise at Burning Man. And there was a dude on top of a narwhal art truck giving people champagne showers as we danced to retro 80s funk music. Um, yeah, and it was, it was like, where else can... I, I was personally dressed in a owl onesie, a, blue, a baby blue owl onesie. So... You know, Burning Man is one of those magical places that not too many people get to experience, but because of uh, all the work that we had done, we felt like it was a rewarding experience to give ourselves. And that was just like mind blowing. Being Chilling in an owl onesie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, that, that owl onesie is still here. It's still in Canada, so I want to bust it out for the next one. What what did that, if anything, did that experience at Burning Man with your partners, what did that teach you about the man you wanted to be or the man you were being? Did you take anything away from that experience? Yeah, huge. I mean, there's so many workshops. A lot of people associate Burning Man with drugs and partying and all that stuff. And yeah, sure, there is that. But there's, I would say more of it is around this culture of the workshops, learning, exploration, self-discovery self-awareness, um, mental health. And a, a big recurring theme there is barriers. So not just barriers of like, okay, I'm a woman, you're, you're a man, you know, where, how can we communicate even without words to establish what our barriers are, but also like emotional barriers with yourself, getting to know yourself, learning how to say no or yes. Um, yeah, I went to quite a few workshops and, you know, I think I went to a kissing workshop for obvious reasons mm -hmm. and I didn't kiss anyone. <laughs> I watched people kiss and it was, I, what I got from it was so much more than that. It was just being open-minded to the possibility of something that you never would have expected. And so being open-minded to learning something valuable, I learned the importance of, of being authentic to yourself and also just being able to read um, how other people are feeling without words. So how do you communicate just through body language, through facial expressions, what you're feeling? It was really, really awesome. Yeah, would you go back? 100%. <laughs> Going back next year if you want to join. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that, and this isn't something I wanted to talk about on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> I've enrolled a bunch of friends to do 2020. Oh, wow. So okay. Let's, let's do it, man. 
I have I also hope, done that. <laughs> I hope it's not the I hope it's not the first time we meet each other in person, but it wouldn't be a bad place to meet each other for the first time in person. <laughs> I think it's the best place to meet someone in person for the first time. <laughs> okay, you'll get to meet the uh, meet the real me, and I'll get to meet the real you. Sure. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, that's great. I want to talk a little bit about um, what it what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Want to you know that that four hour work week book obviously inspired you to do something different. And so now you're living in Asia and you're, you're building a second or third company. So, you know, tell us a little bit about what that actual day-to-day looks like. So we could talk about some of the, the challenges that come with that. Yeah. So, I mean, like you mentioned, I've, I've had more than one business. Um, and even within my current e-commerce business, I've had multiple ideas and multiple attempts um, at trying to succeed. And I wouldn't say by any means that I'm successful yet. Um, I'm thankful that I make enough that I get to travel and, and live as a location independent entrepreneur. But um, yeah, my day to day is, is just being disciplined. That's definitely the biggest thing that I think a lot of people um, don't realize when you're out in a new place, there's a lot of new things to see, a lot of new food to eat, people to meet. And just being able to wake up on a regular basis, have my morning routine, um, so that I'm, I'm centered, I'm grounded, I'm not overly stressed, start my work day at 8 a.m. and then work a full eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. Dee and I talk a lot about morning routines. Can you give us an idea of what that looks like for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was more serious about it, I started waking up at 5 a.m., the 5 a.m. club. And um, what I did was I just set aside a full hour to myself. No cell phones. I, I, I usually set my cell phone to um, airplane mode before I sleep. And that way I don't wake up to a bunch of notifications and emails. It's just the most jarring thing mentally to know that, oh, someone needs me, but I can't touch it for an hour. So I just turn it off completely. When I wake up, there's zero notifications. And then from there, I do Wim Hof breathing. So I'll, I'll just do, do one cycle for anyone that doesn't know Wim Hof. It's, it's just like, uh, cycles of deep inhales and exhales uh, for about 20 or 30 full breaths and full exhales. Um, Show hold us. it for as long as you can. Show <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. So I do a Wim Hof cycle. Uh, I would do stretching, drink two cups of water, uh, do some type of physical exercise, which I got to like 200 push ups each morning Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and read for half an hour. So all of that would take about an hour. Hmm. So, but it, it set my day off really well. Like even if I work for 12, 14 hours that like really kept me centered and focused and I was still able to, to give time to myself each morning. Okay. Yeah. I want to go back really briefly to this idea of airplane mode at night and then for the first hour of the day, where'd you get that from? Um, I'd read a few different articles and I also read Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning, which is a really, really great book. Um, but it's the importance of not, one, it's just like the health effects of sleeping next to your phone, like the radio frequencies, whatever it does, it's still largely unregulated so people don't know what the effects are so being able to sleep your phone off and not sending whatever into your brain when you sleep is i guess a good thing and the other is just um yeah waking up to or even being interrupted 
in the middle of the night by a call or by a notification. It's just, we've never lived like this until recently. So we really don't know the long-term effects of these things. So I was just like, you know, I don't need my phone when I wake up. I don't need it before I sleep. So why not? Let's just give it a try. And it's definitely helped. Yeah, I recommended that to Dien. The first time I ever heard it was when I was reading Brendan Bouchard, uh, a book called Charged. And my roommate and I both do it, and we see amazing results. Do you still do that today? Um, I've been slacking off a bit, but uh, I definitely have to get back into it. What did it mean for you to be able to go that first hour focused on you without the distractions of the world, without the incoming notifications, almost being on like, like reactive mode. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Just not being in reactive mode feels great. And I think for anyone that wakes up and feels the need to answer people, to answer to other people, like you're, they're missing out hugely on this, on this just time when I think is so important for um, just setting the day right. It has a, like the, something I touch on in a book called um, The One Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about willpower and willpower being a finite resource. A lot of people think you can just call up willpower at any time of the day. But this book describes willpower as, as uh, like a tank. And it starts full at the beginning of your day each morning. And imagine if you're using that willpower to answer messages in, in um, responsive mode then imagine how the rest of your day will look. It's not going to be as focused, not as productive. So that's one of the huge benefits of just setting time aside for yourself in the morning. Yeah. You mentioned that one of the benefits or one of the things that you do really well as an entrepreneur is you're very disciplined. How much of, how much of what drives you is discipline and how much of what drives you is purpose and your why and what you're trying to accomplish? Those two actually go really well hand in hand. I think that purpose gives you the compass. So if, if, if your compass is pointing north, you know where to go. You might stray from that from time to time like all entrepreneurs do. But I think the purpose really is your guiding northern star. And regardless of if your business is succeeding or failing, you'll still have that direction. And discipline is just the daily actions that you take. It's the daily steps on that map towards the compass um, direction. So, you know, you need both, I think, to, to really succeed in life. And I don't mean from a financial perspective, I mean just from a fulfillment and spiritual perspective to be able to wake up every day and your purpose tells you where to go. But even if you feel down, you know that your discipline will bring you to the actions you need to take on a day-to-day basis to, to finally reach that point that you want to go. I think this is really important. When I when I started this show, this the show Gripped, the whole purpose was to interview people and to highlight people that are excited about something, that have purpose, that are gripped by life, that are gripped by an idea or something that they're pursuing because the opposite of that is kind of like hopelessness and you know no direction and not understanding where I want to go and that leads to a lot of mental health challenges. And so what I'm wondering is about the story you tell yourself, because how how passionate are you really about selling coffee glassware? Or, <laughs> or do you tell yourself a different story about what your real purpose is and your real passion is, and that's what drives you? Yeah, 
to be honest, I only started drinking coffee in November. Okay. So I guess that, that gives you a, a good indication of how passionate I am about coffee. Um, I am one of those nerds that likes diving deep. So I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by coffee. But to be honest, my true purpose is um, to create content like you that inspires people, awakens their purpose or their reason to find a passion in their lives. Because I think that's just so much more powerful, something to wake up to. And, some, and what, this is my first podcast, so just having the opportunity to speak with someone like you about something that I love talking about is just, that's what keeps me going every day. And really the coffee is just a means, a vehicle to create financial wealth. And I see finances as just a platform to be able to serve my, my higher purpose, which is exactly what we're talking about right now. How does then higher purpose show up in your day-to-day life? Oh man. Um, By the way, this is an important question because this is what Dean was asking me to ask you. And he said, he said, uh, how do you feel personally? Yeah. Plug to Dean. Dean, what's up, buddy? You're in this. (laughs) How do you feel about pursuing um, your business versus what he thinks is one of your, you know, passions or purpose, which is filmmaking? Yes. Yeah. Well, to be literal, um, the two ways I pursue my passion while I'm doing this coffee business. One is uh, I try to steer my coffee business in the direction that serves my purpose. So creating content, I love creating videos regardless of what the content of the video is. So being able to create videos for my own brands is something that excites me. So we've been doing that a bit more lately, especially with the new Kickstarter, had a ton of fun creating that video, but on the side, I'll also make weekly vlogs. So, you know, one of my goals is to be some type of motivational speaker, whether it's a person on stage or whether it's through video like yourself. And so I can't become a good speaker unless I practice on a regular basis. So making those Facebook videos um, around topics that I'm passionate about really helps me to live that. Um, but the last part of it that's not so literal is um, about Four years ago, uh, one of my men from the men's, the men's circle, um, uh, I told my team that, you know, I, I have trouble waking up in the morning. Um, I'm not motivated. And one of the men told me, I'm going to get on a call with you and we're going to talk about finding your purpose and writing it down. And I'm not going to get off this call until you've written some type of purpose down. And so on that call, um, yeah, I wrote down my purpose which was to travel the world and create inspirational video content that will inspire people to live to their higher purpose and bring that, that power and energy back to their communities and continue to inspire those people. And I wrote that down. And at the time, <clears throat> I was still doing my video production business, not so much e-commerce. And I was like, oh, but if I, if I drop my video business, does that mean I'm leaving my passion behind? Because that's why I quit engineering. And my, my, my team member who's on the call was like, if, if you pursue e-commerce and drop your video, but you make more money faster, it allows you to pursue your true purpose sooner, then isn't that the same thing? So that's when I decided to shut down my video business and really go full force in e-commerce with the goal that I'd be able to create a 
uh, recurring revenue model that I can make money from in my sleep, which is the dream, and which I'd never be able to do with video production. And then, you know, create this, this video content that, that allows me to fulfill my purpose. I'll say, you know, just to, to give you some cred here, that you could tell a compelling story about what you've done already and monetize that on a, on a stage. For sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. There's, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that are interested in the lifestyle that you created for yourself. Mm. And you did it successfully. And the best part is, is you, you screwed up. You screwed up and yeah. you're still doing it. And now yeah. you're learning from the lessons that you had uh, in the past and you're going to deploy all of those lessons in this new business that you've created. So this one's going to be, I know, even more successful than the last one. And then yeah. on the other side of that is going to be whatever you want. And if that's to tell a compelling story of how people can live their purpose, then I think you can absolutely do it. So I believe you've got the, you've got the charisma, you've got the energy for it, you've got the work ethic for it. So I think you can absolutely do that. No problem. Thanks, man. I should hire you as my coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, that man that's, that stood for you, that's exactly what he did is he showed up and he said, I'm going to give a shit about this man yeah. and I'm going to support him until he, till he, he's not getting off this phone until he chooses his purpose. And we need more men standing for each other like that. We need more women standing for women like that. We need each other being there for each other and standing for each other. So I wasn't planning on talking about the men's circle but I am curious how, if at all, do you stay connected to men that were in your circle today? How do you still support them and how do they still support you? Well, I've been, I've been a part of the men's circle since 2014, November 2014. And to this day, even though I'm, I've been traveling for over a year now, I still do my buddy calls. My, uh, weekly buddy calls. Yeah. Recently, they invited me to do a Zoom call, actually, into a meeting. But um, haven't taken it yet because uh, of the time difference. But yeah, just being, it's just an opportunity for me to be grounded. Just talking with someone who, who knows who I am, I've been working with for, for so many years. Or even if it's someone new, we just know how to communicate with each other. And if we're having a down day, um, or having, if, if someone else is having a rough time, being able to support people in, in, a, in a community, I think is so important. And it's something that, that not many people get to experience anymore because we have social media and we think that social media is the way we connect. But it's, I mean, until you have a community, community that you can fall back on in times where you're really stressed, you're really falling apart, um, it's, it's something that, that I think everyone should have. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the men's circles made a huge difference in my life, especially around my mental health. You know, you mentioned that you're very purpose-driven. You mentioned you've got relatively good routines. I watch your Instagram, so I know you have a bunch of healthy habits. You're expressing yourself through dance. You're exercising constantly. Super jealous, by the way. I used to be a gymnast when I was a kid, oh. and I injured myself a few years back. That's prevented me from being able to do things that I love, like flips and handstands and stuff like that. But uh, I'm connected to Dien and Jason, Super, Jason Superchan out in Toronto. And so they've uh, helped, they've, they've mentioned that they're going to hold me to account to getting stronger, but you have all these, these great habits and yet mental health is still a challenge for everybody, regardless of how positive your habits are. I saw on Facebook a few weeks ago, you had posted something about having a panic attack. And I wanted to first recognize that you're willing to share that 
over social media so that other people can see the vulnerability. I really do see vulnerability as being a huge strength. What it does is it gives permission for people to say, hey, I'm struggling. And the only way we can be there to support someone if they're struggling with their mental health is if we know. And we don't know typically, unless we're really good at recognizing signs and symptoms, uh, then we don't know. And so I want to say kudos to you for being open and transparent about that. And I was just wondering, you know, how come you shared that? And also, you know, what was that experience like? Yeah. So, I mean, the first part of the question is why did I share it? Um, well, I had been doing my, my Facebook blog videos for, I think, just over a year now. And I've had other opportunities to share moments of vulnerability. So um, having friends, you know, even from the men's circle who suffer from anxiety, panic attacks, bipolar, depression, things like that, um, and, and either living in silence or not sharing it, but knowing the power behind it, uh, because of how many people suffer from this in silence or in solitude, um, I felt like it, you know, it's, it's just, I should be doing this. As someone who wants to be able to share on a more global stage about things like mental health, um, passion, um, self-awareness, these things are all the same. Just being aligned with yourself, being honest with yourself, I think is, it's all connected to things like anxiety and mental health. Um, and so, yeah, uh, the second part you asked was, how did it happen? Yeah, um, how'd, that, how'd that experience, yeah, how'd that happen? Um, so I think it was just a manifestation of a lot of stress building up over the past year. Um, so launching our most recent Kickstarter um, was no easy task, especially running along cash, even having moved out to Chiang Mai to help stretch our runway. Um, yeah, we just put a lot of pressure on ourselves, me specifically, to make this a successful product. And so I did the, the 5 a.m. mornings. I, I was doing something like 12 hours a day consistently of work for, for like three months. And the, the month leading up, I was doing something like 14 or 16 or even more hours per day to the point where like, um, I don't know if you can see it, but most of my eyes started swelling up. And I thought it was an eye infection, but I think it's, it's just from keeping my eyes glued to a screen for so long that the, the glands in my eyelids have started to clog almost like pimples and they just swell up. Okay. So there's that. And then just the, this, this fight or flight feeling, a constant fight or flight feeling, but ignoring it. So um, the, the day that I had the panic attack, it just, you know, it just happened. I was triggered um, in a moment of stress. And then I just started shaking. I started shaking uncontrollably. I just felt this swelling up in my eyes like I'm gonna cry. And these just very imposing thoughts. So I obviously had to just let go. I'm like, I'm not gonna fight it. So I just started doing some meditation breathing. And this is the middle of a mall in Malaysia. Mm. So I just put myself inside. My girlfriend was me. She, she really helped, but I was just for like, 40 minutes, 30 or 40 minutes. I was just heaving really hard, crying, like having these really depressing thoughts. And I'm like, yeah, this is probably some type of attack, like anxiety or panic. I don't know what it was. And then um, after sleeping it off for a few hours, I would still have these waves of 
of, of thoughts. Uh, I think I bumped into my cousin that day in like a tourist area. I'm like, how is this possible? But he bumped, he's like, hey, Johnny. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, I just tried to stay calm. And I just, like, in that moment, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like crying right now. So it was, yeah, it's, I'm just imagining people that go through this uh, in a chronic way. And I have friends that, that still suffer from this. And I can only imagine, like, this is just a one-time thing for me. But what is it like for other people out there that go through this on a very consistent basis? I, I can't imagine, like, how, like what it's like. So just being able to share that experience, I think, um, knowing that people can talk to me or, uh, or that people can talk and open up about it on social media, I think is really important. What came from sharing that experience on Facebook? Um, the support. Yeah, I had people that I hadn't talked to about this um, just reach out to me and private messages or in the comments section just offering to get on a call. I had met, I had um, men from the men's circle that I hadn't seen in a while as well. And yeah, just offered to, to have a call with me. And I, I did take up all of their offers, talk with all of them. And just being able to connect with people, uh, even them sharing with me, they said just having that community and knowing that there are other people um, to share that experience is, it's really, it helps in the moment when it's happening, if you're having an anxiety attack, but it also just helps that you're not alone. Again, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that. It's challenging to share. Uh, there is still, regardless of being in 2019, a ton of stigma that surrounds mental health and mental health challenges. So I wanna, again, recognize you for doing that. It gives other people permission. And it's, it, although it seems like we should be always putting on like our, 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 like our mask that says everything's fine, we're doing great, things are amazing. And it's important to look and be optimistic, but truly when you're in this place of struggle, if everyone thinks things are great and you're struggling and there's that contrast, but nobody knows that nobody can be there for you. So thanks for doing that, man, appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Whatever I could do to, to I guess, get more people out there, not only just acknowledging that they have it, but acknowledging to each other, because I think that community aspect really helps us to heal. So I want to I want to finish off with a couple fun questions, and, and I don't know if you're open to it, but maybe you'll turn on some music over there and do like ten seconds or thirty seconds of dancing. <laughs> but um, okay. I just had some some questions about what you would tell yourself if you had an opportunity to do that. So as an example. You know, you're reading four-hour work week. You're about to take this first step into being a digital nomad. What would you tell yourself if you could go all, go back and, and say, hey, Johnny, you're about to take this journey. This is what you should know. It's funny because I wrote this down on a piece of paper at Burning Man. <laughs> One of the things you can do is you can, like, go to this thing they call the temple. and You can um, leave something behind. Um, Oftentimes it's, it's notes of notes to your former selves or notes to someone who's passed away. But for me, I wrote something down like, yeah, believe in yourself, be willing to make mistakes and also be willing to let go of mistakes that you're holding on to. And I think it's that cycle of, of willing to fail, but not let it affect you uh, negatively by, by holding on to that baggage as you move forward. It's really living in the moment 
because it's it's always going to turn out okay. It's like uh, in, in in Eastern philosophy, they have this saying: "This too shall pass." But it doesn't just mean negative things. It's positive, negative, neutral. Everything will pass. Will all pass at some point. So if you can embrace that in every aspect of your life, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, I had a friend, Jose, he, he was talking about Nelly Furtado and how like all good things come to an end. And he said, if he could rewrite that, he would just say, all things come to an end. Uh, walk me through that as one last thing that I, you know, I, I could take selfishly from this conversation. Recently, I made a mistake and I hurt somebody that I really care about. And I can't control them having trust with me again. I can't control them forgiving me, but I do want to let go of how I feel about what happened. And I want to be able to step into a new possibility of just being honorable and getting past what had happened. So you talked about letting go, you know, what does that mean for you? And have you, have you done that in your life? Man. Um, yeah, letting go comes in many shapes and forms. Um, if it if it involves other people, and there's no opportunity to, there's no longer a bridge for communication. Then really, it's just, yeah. How do you be at peace with with just the way it is and accepting it and being complete with with the situation? And how that looks for me, it's it might be anything from meditating on it to journaling about it, to sharing with others, you know, how I feel. Um, and if there's an opportunity to still be in communication, then it's just creating, just being vulnerable, like you said, just creating from a place of just no, no judgment, no nothing, just like, hey, this is just me being authentic about this situation. And um, yeah, I, uh, other aspects of letting go are things like failures and mistakes. Um, I think it's kind of like Vipassana meditation, just like being able to look at it and not feel uh, attached to what happened, I think is very important. It's like having a thought, a negative thought, focusing on it, seeing it as a separate thing. You are not your thoughts and knowing that it's just going to pass. So if it's personal failure, yeah, I'll take that failure. I look at a photo of failure, like, wow, I failed in this and letting it sit getting those emotions and just you know, putting it like literally taking the photo and putting it aside. Like, this is not affecting me anymore. Okay. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. I'm going to close this off by giving you the space to share whatever you'd like. I get to direct the flow of this conversation for the last 30, 40 minutes. And I know that there's always something interesting, personal that's happened uh, in people's lives or something that's resonating with them at the time. So whatever is on your heart right now, whatever you want to share with the listeners, whatever you want to leave them with, the floor is yours. All right. No pressure. <laughs> um, first of all, just thank you so much for, for inviting me to be on this, on this podcast. Like it was, many people have asked me sometimes just casually, but you were the first one to follow through. So just being able to share this experience with someone who's equally passionate about something that I really enjoy is it's just great to, to have a conversation and something that I'm really passionate about is life purpose. And a lot of people have asked me something like 10 years ago when I discovered video production, um, you know, 
they ask me like, Johnny, how did you find your life purpose? Like you're lucky because it's easy for you to pick a job that you like because you know what you wake up to every day, you know what you're excited about. And oftentimes when people ask me, how do I find my purpose? I, it's a really hard question to ask because I only have my own experiences to relate to. But more recently, when I started digging into this topic of how do you find your passion, how do you find your purpose, um, I realized that the, the aspect or the journey of finding your purpose is a whole thing in itself. Find, like having your purpose um, doesn't happen by accident. And I used to think that. I used to think like I just found it. You know, video production, there it is. When I look back on my life when I was younger, I did everything. I, like, I, I, I did art, I did uh, dance, I did piano, singing, sports. Um, I, I've, I tried being excited and curious about everything that I touched. And I think being passionate about finding your passion is equally as important as finding the passion or about having the passion itself. So for anyone out there listening or watching that, you know, wakes up to a mundane life, you know, it's like, what am I doing here? What is my purpose? Which is actually quite common when you reach thirties, you know, your thirties, a lot of my friends are like quitting their jobs to travel, taking sabbaticals because they're, they're, they're fed up with working 10 years now at a desk job. But I think that's, the first step is the most important, just letting yourself experience, you know, these feelings and, and then just being able to either quit your job, which is pretty extreme, or just taking time on the weekends to rediscover what it means to be excited, I think is so important. So one, having the open mind to know that this might not be what you're truly passionate about right now, and that something else could be bigger out there for you. And second, taking those actions. It could be small, it could be big, um, but really just taking that first step and then having the discipline to continue searching and being passionately curious, I think, is, is the next big mindset to take on. And once you find your passion, you'll know, or like most people, you won't know. And when people think that like, oh, if I, if I pick it, I've stuck with it for life, no having purpose or passion is like a shirt. It, it could be a shirt, you could try it on and decide, oh, this shirt doesn't look good on me. I'm gonna take it off and try a new one, right? You, you can pick painting and decide after five years, hey, I'm not excited about this anymore. Time to look for a new one. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the beauty of life. So a lot of people think that it's a very serious thing, but no, nah, man, it's just life. Whatever makes you happy, go out there and get it. Johnny Lowe, thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks, Johnny. Hey, do you want to do, do you want to do something fun to finish this off? <laughs> I don't know. I'm scared. <laughs> Take those headphones out, put some music on, and I want to see 30 seconds. Yo, this is gr groove accepted question mark. Oh my God. Gotta put me on the spot. We're doing it, dude. dude. I'm in like a, I'm in like a co-working space and people are going to be looking. At it's happening. Okay, I will, I will do it for you, Jonathan. <laughs> but my speakers on my laptop are kind of broken. It's all good. So I will, if no, someone walks in on me, to hear it anyway. I hope this video goes viral. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -mm -mm. 
Yeah, this was fun, man. You did great. Thanks a lot. No, this is, this is a ton, ton of fun. Hopefully, I can do one myself one day. Uh, I think you should. People. I think you should. Especially considering you were inside of this giant network of people in Chiang Mai that were successful digital nomads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you want to connect with anyone there, you can definitely take the lead. Well, All right. There Last one video. Wish All right, here we go. All right, I'm going to put on a song. Get it. I can't believe I'm doing this. For anyone, anyone that ever asked me, know that it never, the shyness and, and self, like, the, the shyness just never goes away. All right. We're good. Okay, let's get some. Oh, no, let's choose this one. I'm layering this audio on top of the podcast because for those of you that are watching on YouTube or on Facebook or anywhere where you can see the video, you will notice that Johnny is an incredible dancer. And for those of you that are listening, you can't see it. So I highly recommend that you skip now to a video version of this podcast so you can check it out. Yo, I thought, I thought Ian Gabriel was a good dancer. That is tight. Well done. Well done. Small teaser, small teaser. Well done. Hey, man, this was super fun. Really appreciate that. I am excited to get this out. I will let you know when it comes out. And I will also clip a few of those uh, answers that you had and send them to you so that you can use them however you'd like. Okay, sweet. Thanks so much, man. All right, well, it's super late, so I'm going to go to sleep.